The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, July 7th. Vacation is over! We're back to the grind of the daily podcast as we head into training camps. Getting close. Very excited for it. We will have tons of great content for you guys in the next two months or, I guess, eight weeks, ten weeks uh, leading up to the season. It's going to be awesome. And in appreciation of us giving you guys that content, what we'd like you to do is go nominate and vote for us for the People's Choice Podcast Sports Award. That's right. We have been not, we are finalists for the sports category, the People's Choice Podcast Awards again. We appreciate all you guys do for us, and we hope you enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round. To nominate pick six, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Toggle down to the sports. You have to sign up. It's very easy. I, I did it my, nominated myself, obviously. Uh, but you just go in and you uh, sign up, go down to the sports category, and there's a link in the episode description as well. If you will go nominate us, and we get into, if we get into that finalist, I will um, do something stupid like uh, give myself a goatee, or uh, or if we win the award, I'll get a tattoo. I was gonna say Ryan Finley matching tattoos. Is that is yeah. that in the air? Absolutely. Um, so Tyler Sullivan joining us to talk about best remaining free agents in the feed, coach rankings with John Breach and Cody Benjamin as well. But yeah, Sully, I will. Uh, I don't know what I'll get done, but I'll get something tatted on my body. If, I like it. If we if we win the award, not right. if we're the finalist. Right. If we if we if we win the award for best people's choice podcast award, I will break of 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 not a vow, but sort of a personal belief on tattoos. My dad always always said not to get tattoos either, and I, I will get a tattoo. All right, I like. Maybe, it. I, don't, I don't know. We'll figure out what we'll get. But if we if we win the award, I will get a tattoo. Maybe like a Super Friends portrait or, or something along those lines. It's like one of those uh, caricatures of just all three of you. That might be nice. Something like that. <laughs> or like uh, pick six for life. I don't know. I'll get the pick six logo tattooed on my shoulder. I don't care. Tattooed Why not? Tattooed on my forehead. Whatever. <laughs> I figured the the bump in in winning a, the the sports podcast award would be enough. Salary, like, 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 salary-wise, maybe potentially that I would. Who's the rapper again? Is it Gucci Mane who's got like the ice cream cone on his on his cheek? So you could do something like that. That's not bad. Take six on the old cheek. <laughs> could never, would never possibly regret that down the road. <laughs> uh, so anyway, on this episode, we're going to look at landing spots for the top guys still available on the free agent market. There are some big names, and we will get to them. But first, we're going to talk some Pat's news because literally, as we are firing up this podcast, we got news that. In Keel Harry, I cannot believe I'm going to uh, say this, but in Keel Harry, it's demanding a trade. He's tired of life in New England. Yeah, it, it's just, it's not, it's not, not it's it's not a surprising uh, situation or a turn of events because I, I think we were all looking at Nikhil Harry and, and wondering, okay, this is a make or break summer. This is going to be a make or break season for him. And, you know, he was one of these guys already kind of on the roster bubble, as crazy as it sounds, a former first-round pick. But, like, 
you know, we're looking at like Isaiah Zuber on the Patriots roster, giving him really run for his money to finally fit into that 53 man roster to begin the season. So when you have a situation like that, it's, I mean, it's not surprising that the player is looking at it saying, maybe I can read the writing on the wall. I kind of have this really not necessarily, you know, in the bag here. So maybe I got to figure out a new situation before, you know, they release me or something along those lines. So not totally surprising. It's kind of gotten the, um, the theme of New England not drafting well over the last few years. And I think it's the culmination of why that they had to go on this spending spree that this offseason. You know, they needed to address a lot of the offensive skill positions because these picks haven't really worked out. I mean, you can obviously talk about Nikhil Harry. That one is maybe the crowning achievement of things not working out in particularly. But, you know, Isaiah Wynn, he's been he's very good, but not very healthy. Sony Michelle hasn't lived up to the hype. So, you know, it's just a, it's a culmination of things not really working out for the Patriots at the top of the draft, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. I am going to list very quickly the so Inkill Harry was the 32nd overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft by the New England Patriots, the first ever wide receiver taken by Bill Belichick in the first round, I believe. Right. Yeah. And uh, here are the here's a list. I'm just going to run through the I'm on the Wikipedia page. I'm just going to run through the list of wide receivers taken after Inkill Harry at 32nd overall. 36 overall, Debo Samuel, who, by the way, I said I was going to run through it, um, but I did mock draft Debo Samuel to the Patriots like 55 times in the offseason. It was a perfect fit. I don't know why they didn't draft him. It's been nice. Hey, right. It, was, it seemed too obvious, but they didn't do it. Uh, next up, a uh, little fella named A.J. Brown with a 51st overall pick. He's made a pro bowl. Then Miko Hardman at 56 overall also made a pro bowl, albeit as a returner. J.J. Ortega Whiteside. Sure. Hadn't done anything, but fun name for this podcast. Andy Isabella, 62nd overall. DK Metcalf, 64th overall. Deontay Johnson, 66th overall. And finally, Terry McLaurin, 76th overall. That is really bad. But, Will, it's not even really that draft alone. I mean, obviously, you miss out on a lot of those prospects. But this has kind of been a, a, a bad mark on Bill Belichick for the course of his career as an executive i know we are obviously one of the greatest coaches of all time but not particularly great at the nfl draft as a gm and someone who's making that final decision i mean you go down the list guys that i can just think up off the top of my head uh, you know uh aaron dobson who was a high draft pick uh chad J uh, jackson was a terrible pick uh, that year even a guy like malcolm mitchell who was a later round pick he was great in that super bowl but injuries even dating back to his college days at georgia were a red flag and ultimately put his NFL career short. He was probably the most promising one of the bunch, was big in that Super Bowl comeback against the Falcons, but that was his last game he ever played in the NFL. And, and so, you know, you, it's really kind of been a struggle in New England trying to find help at the receiver position outside of hitting a seventh-round quarterback out of Kent State and Julian Edelman. Like, you know, those those ones, you know, you just, you're, you're finding a needle in a haystack. But when you're really trying to identify the position and address it high in the NFL draft, it's something that the Patriots haven't been able to do. Yeah, I mean, their biggest success at wide receiver has been trading for Randy Moss, trading for Wes Welker, yeah, maybe signing Dante Stallworth, and listening to Rick Goslin and drafting Julian Edelman in the seventh round. I mean, that's it's not. And they did a solid job, uh, you know, targeting Danny Amendola too, as well. You know, that's a little bit more of a recent one. But again, they're better at finding the guys, evaluating guys who played for other teams and were undervalued based on their production or the, what their team thought of them. 
Right, and it's. I think it has more to do with they are much better at scouting that position in the NFL than they are in the college game. They don't, for some reason, they have trouble translating what they're scouting and how it will translate into the NFL. But when you have guys that are already in the league, has have tape on film in the league, for some reason they're able to look at that a little bit more clearer. And maybe it just, you know, does it really have that much to do with, you know, two two feet down or one foot down? I have no idea. But to me, that's clearly the issue there. They, they've had a trouble translating what they see on film in the college game and projecting it at the NFL level. It's something that they just haven't been able to do since, you know, essentially Bill Belichick's been around here. He's gone back with Tom Brady and everything. It just hasn't been hasn't I, been well. I wonder if it's maybe the, I mean, this is just a thought and not we have to spend too long on this. And kill Harry, I, I agree with you. I do think he's was probably getting cut and he gets this out there now. So yeah. he doesn't, you know, says, I want to trade. And like, ah, we can't find a trade partner. He's cut. Um, I do wonder if it's like Bill Belichick spends an inordinate amount of time each week studying film for uh, upcoming opponents. And so when you're doing that, you know, you're studying the offense yeah. and the defense and the special teams, you are studying all the wide receivers in football that get e- any, any type of playing time. So like if you watch Wes Welker playing for the Dolphins, you're like, man, they, why aren't they giving this guy the ball more? Here's what you could do with him. You get him in space, blah, 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 blah. Whereas when it comes to the college wide receivers, you're trusting the opinion of other people instead of your own eyes. And then you have this sort of compact amount of time to study all of the players in the college draft. And I sort of wonder if maybe that's the problem where it, it's just a, it's just sort of the, the way that the, the study time, like Belichick knows what schemes every NFL team is running. Whereas you've got to sort of your college scouting inherently, you're relying if you're an NFL head coach or an NFL GM, you're relying on the opinion of so many others, and maybe maybe that's part of the problem. And it could be one of the drawbacks of being the GM and the head coach. I mean, for all of the college football season, you're worrying about your own football team. You're, you're not able to go scout or, or really kind of put your your you know go into the weeds of the college football season until. You know, for the Patriots over the last few years, obviously last year, not excluding last year, but you're going deep into January, possibly even early February before you can even kind of turn the page and start scouting for the draft. So I do wonder if that's part of it as well. It's something that's kind of been critiqued up here for a long time over the course of that. But, you know, going with Nikhil Harry, you do wonder where he's going to end up and what the Patriots could possibly get for him. I can't imagine that they'd get anything, you know, what, what, you know, I don't know if they would even get, you know, yeah, fourth round pick. It's nothing. A third round pick sounds preposterous. Right, me. right. You know, I know that I know that you could probably sell it as a, you know, former first round pick hasn't reached his potential, could still do this, yada, yada, yada. I, I don't know if you're really going to get, you know, a ton of return back. I would love to see the Patriots possibly get a player back and you know one thing that you know has been talked about I know it was talked about a little bit leading up to the draft just you know just fodder nothing nothing concrete but leading up to the draft I believe it was 2019 when he was coming out uh the Arizona Cardinals were reportedly very interested in him Nikhil Harry was even on record saying that if he landed with the Arizona Cardinals or if they were on the clock coming out of the first round into the second round that yep. he felt very confident that he was going to go there so is you know, maybe part of why the Patriots took him at 32. Right. Possible. Totally possible. So was that a team that maybe could be interested in him? Obviously, they have A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, a ton, Christian Kirk, a ton of receivers. So they don't necessarily need it. But if the Patriots are looking at that saying, man, we kind of like that Andy Isabella kid. He's kind of stuck on that depth That's chart. What I was going to say is having a straight up swap for Andy, Andy, Isabella, Andy Isabella and Inkyo Harry. Andy, Andy Isabella, by the way, second round pick by the uh, Cardinals, which they, they used – uh, the pick they got from the Dolphins for Josh Rosen to draft Andy Isabella, 
which has not been successful at all. No. And Andy Isabella fits what the Patriots want to do. He's from Boston, too. The UMass guy. So, I mean, and, yeah. you know, he was, and he was working out with Randy Moss leading up to that draft. It was a, there was a lot of, you know, connections, I remember, going up to that draft saying, like, okay, this makes way too much sense. You know, but we'll see what happens with Nikhil Harry. Ultimately, we'll see what suitors kind of come about here. But it will be interesting to see how the Patriots kind of, kind of go about this. The, in, the stats, by the way, for Nikhil Harry, 81, his, his agent said 86 targets. is actually 81, according to Pro Football Reference, but. Neither here nor there. Not many over two years. 45 catches, 414 yards, four receiving touchdowns. By the way, just a 55.6% catch uh, catch rate, which actually jumped up to 57.9 with Cam Newton, who hyped him up before last season. So I, I don't know what else you can ask. I would think that the Patriots – I would, if I'm the Pats, I'll take Andy Isabella over a third round pick. I think for sure, for sure. And and just to or, defend, no, third round pick, sorry, four, I, I think fifth round pick is probably realistic. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. And, and just to defend to kill Harry, because I think you know it, it's going to be really easy to dump on his statistics and all of that. He, I don't know if he necessarily got the greatest shot to coming into New England. I mean, we yeah. have to remember where we were. Tom Brady not particularly fond of throwing to first year receivers, especially when he's you know it's going through his final season in New England. It, you know, maybe he had one foot out the door already going into that year. Certainly doesn't want to put a ton of time in with a young guy, and then he comes in la- last year and it's you know, Cam Newton and, you know, can't really throw the ball particularly well. I mean, you know, it's, it hasn't been the easiest road of him at the quarterback position coming in the NFL. Certainly he's done, he hasn't done things and hasn't lived up to himself to his first round billing personally, but the quarterback situation hasn't done him any favors either. It, it's probably important to point that out. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is not a guy, I mean, we're not, we are not trying to bury and kill Harry. It's just, you're just not going to get, I mean, you're just not going to get a lot for him. Is the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. Uh, okay, moving along to free agents who could be headed different places. I'm going to assume, even though we don't have a link in the rundown, that, that you have a piece coming up. I, I, I do. It's already out. It's, yeah, it's, it's already, it's out. already out there. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to promote it. Yeah, so go to CBSSports.com and check it out. Uh, we start with Le'Veon Bell. These, By the way, these really are big name guys. Right. It's, it's not the top guys. Games. It's just big names. Yeah. And so with Le'Veon Bell, Came out, uh, came out, by the way, came out, played with the Chiefs last time out. Yep. He said he would never play for Andy Reid again. Kind of bashed Andy Reid, walked his comments back a little bit. Certainly hurts his uh, his potential landing spots. Uh, where where do you think Le'Veon Bell could end up going? If and, he so, and so I put the New, New Orleans Saints, and I will throw the caveat out there that Bell was the, the toughest one to kind of try to peg a, a certain spot for him because it kind of feels like, you know, with all this Andy Reid drama that he – thinks he wants to be the number one guy like you know that's the only thing that I could kind of decipher from his negative comments about Andy Reid like was he sold a bill of goods that he was going to come in and be the number one running back and get a ton of touches and Clyde Edwards Hilaire was going to take a step back and it was going to be a tandem and it just ultimately didn't happen like is that what he was so upset about and so if that's the case then you got to try to find a place where he could you know be the 1A the 1B type of guy and obviously he's not going to be the number one starter with Alvin Kamara in New Orleans, but could he blossom into what Mark Ingram was with that team? And it's a high profile offense, you know, pretty prolific. If he can beat out Latavius Murray, if that's somebody that they want to move off of, which I believe that they can clear around $3 million in cap space if they wanted to move off of him, you know, there's an upgrade there. Maybe that's a destination that was everything he thought Kansas City was going to be. Sean Payton, an offensive mind. They're getting a new quarterback, whether it's going to be Jameis or Taysom Hill. They're going to want to run the ball a little bit more, especially earlier on in the season, to get those guys feet wet in the league. 
I just wonder if that's something that would help him there. If that's if that's a destination where he's willing to take a secondary role behind Kamara and you know maybe can beat out you know uh, Latavius Murray for whatever whatever it is, a hundred plus touches for a year. Yeah, the only I mean, not that I'm like desperate to push back against your <laughs> landing spot with the Saints because I agree it's tough to find a spot for Le'Veon Bell. The only thing I would say is that I think Latavius Murray is probably a better between the tackles runner than Le'Veon Bell right now for sure. And Le'Veon Bell's biggest asset, in theory, is basically what Alvin Kamara does. And so that's the only reason it might be a little too um, a little too redundant to bring him into New Orleans. Additionally, if you bring him in and he's the third guy behind those two and you, he doesn't get reps, is he going to complain? Right. I think there's a decent case to be made that there's no landing spot for Le'Veon Bell. And you had to pick one. I, so I, right. I, I just – he you, you can't be a bad team – we saw what happened to the Jets. Can't be a bad team and think, oh, Latavius Murray. I mean, Le'Veon Bell will save our save our season, or oh, we should give money to a you know former All Pro running back who's been kind of a pain in the rear for several seasons now. Loves jet skis and raps albums. Sat out the entire year. I don't. So I think it needs to be a contender. But then it's 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 like if you can't work out with Andy Reid, who's how, where is this gonna? Where is this going to go? It doesn't feel like there's a great spot. Uh, one team that maybe could work, and they they signed, ironically, uh, Le'Veon Bell's replacement in James Conner, is the Arizona Cardinals, who have Chase Edmonds, James Conner, and then, eh, you know, there's just not a lot of juice there for a team that thinks it's fancies itself a contender. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting one. And you're right. Like, it is tough to figure out a situation for him because one, you can't really get him with like a first year head coach or a young head coach, because that's just a, a tough situation to put that guy in. If it doesn't work out, then, you know, just from what we've seen over the last two stops at Le'Veon Bell, he's going to bad mouth you. And it, he's going to leave some somewhat of a stain. Obviously Andy Reed, like is totally fine. It's not like he's like ruined his reputation or anything along those lines, but you know, you're going to kind of catch some flack if things don't work out with Le'Veon Bell and, you know, with New Orleans, I just looked at it as if they, and this is a hypothetical, but if they weren't happy with their situation with Latavius Murray and wanted to upgrade that position and felt like Le'Veon Bell was going to be the, you know, something close to what he once was during his days in Pittsburgh, then that would make some sense because you have a guy like Sean Payton that has been there, done it, yep. an institution in New Orleans that could absorb any sort of headache that comes along with it. So that's kind of really what it is. But again, he was the toughest one, and there was a lot of ifs thrown in yeah, there. And, and the thing with the Saints, too, is you could say, all right, you know, that's fine. It doesn't feel like a great fit. But suddenly you can put Latavius Murray in the backfield and have, you know, whether it's Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, you can have Le'Veon Bell, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas lined up at the receiver positions and, and really create some matchup nightmare. So, yeah, I, I'm not – I'm not – this is not – how dare you, Sully, situation. It's Just, okay. Yeah. Uh, Melvin Ingram, who – I thought would sign after we got past the compensatory pick uh, portion of the program has not signed. Uh, presumably the chargers would like to have him back. They're kind of thin at, at, at pass rusher after Joey Bosa, but you've got to be going somewhere else as a possible landing spot. Yeah. He's not going far though. I'm having, still having him hang out at SoFi stadium. He's going to Los Angeles Rams. I tried not to have a lot of resign because that's obviously just not fun to write about. It's like, Oh, right, just right, resign. Right. You know, it's, it could happen totally. Like you said, could fit. But uh, I like to shake it up a little bit, and I put with the Los Angeles Rams because 
he kind of fits the mo of what they're doing right now in, in you know he's He's a veteran who is coming off of an injury plague season in 2020. But prior to that, three straight Pro Bowls, five straight seasons with at least seven sacks in the regular season. He can still ball. He just is a little bit older. He might not be like that, you know, anchor that you can have defensively. But if you put him on that front seven with Aaron Donald, I mean, forget about it. That's exactly something that Los Angeles would kind of fit into. He's, he's very much a one-year veteran edition. We're in a win-now mode. We just acquired Matthew Stafford. We're going for it over these next two years in particularly. So to me, a guy like that just screams late summer edition, ends up being a great veteran piece, timely, and all of that. So to me, it was kind of a no-brainer there. And also, I said uh, I talked about Aaron Donald. He actually took to Twitter fairly recently and suggested that that would be a possible pairing. He seemed to like that. Ooh, there you go. Uh, I'm trying to think what the connection is between those guys, uh, between Aaron Donald and Melvin Ingram. Maybe he just wants Melvin Ingram there and, and likes the player. Yeah. I mean, th- this is definitely, look, this is a team that is trying to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They go all in on Matthew Stafford. They have what looks like a pretty good offensive line still. Tons of offensive weapons. And Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Deshaun Jackson, who they added this offseason, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, Tyler Higby. I mean, there's no if everybody's healthy, the offense is going to be elite with Sean McVay calling the plays. I I feel like, and you just have some questions about the defense. Maybe some guy you lose some guys in the secondary, so you got to reload there, and then the pass rush. Why not? Yeah, if you get Melvin, say, look, Melvin, you don't have to move. Don't care if you come to training camp. You know, we'd prefer if you did, so you can come learn Raheem Morris's system. Um, show up, do the veteran stuff, where you don't work too hard, and let's go win a Super Bowl. You know, you can, you got, you got money. You got plenty of money. You signed for tons of money. Don't worry about that. And like you're saying, it just, it just fits everything that what the, what the, what the Rams have been doing over the last few months where it's, we're in a win now mode, you know, where we are clearly going for it right now. We're not looking for this young developmental piece. You know, we've given away every draft pick. We're not trying to do that. We're just trying to bring in guys that we know can help us for 2021 and maybe 2022. We're really just focusing on this year with a signing like this. And so to me, that would make all the sense in the world. I would agree. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, a few more veterans, including one of the most famous cornerbacks in the history of professional football. Where could he land next? The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Richard Sherman, still a free agent. I mean, this really is a 2013 who's who of, of stars. I mean, these are, these are big names. Oh, yeah, huge. I was surprised Richard Sherman hasn't signed yet. He he hinted uh, heading into the offseason that he he would be released by the 49ers because of his contract or not re-signed, I guess, by the 49ers because of his contract situation. That's been the case. Uh, and now I'm frankly a little surprised he hadn't landed with the Jets already, Sully, because that would have been the obvious landing spot with Robert Sala there. They have a clear need at the position. They have tons of money. Why not bring Richard Sherman in to help some of the younger guys learn the system to, you know, to maybe he plays like he played in San Francisco the last few years. Again, little surprise that hadn't happened, but you've got a different landing spot for Richard Sherman. Yeah, and I will say, though, well, the Jets were one of the teams that I was kind of just, you know, sure. thinking about with with that, obviously, with the solid connection and all that. I wanted to even throw in maybe a, a possible, you know, romantic homecoming to Seattle, but it just nothing. None of that really did it for me. The one that really I like a lot is him heading to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, yeah, just, yeah, that, that one to me seems like a lot of fun. I mean, we've seen Sherman talk a lot about you know he's he's nearing the end of his career he's been very candid about like yeah I got a couple years left but that's really about it and very open to the fact that he would be willing to help mentor a young secondary on top of playing and be a contributor and Dallas provides an ideal situation for that they spent the last two two sec two years in the second round addressing the cornerback spot and more importantly there is a ton of familiarity because Dan Quinn's now the defensive coordinator the defensive coordinator previously with Seattle during Sherman's you know you know Hall of Fame prime years you know so to me you learn the system you can really bring up some young corners and if you are all you know we're talking about legacy here because he's one of the best players of his era if all of a sudden one of the things that you can leave is bringing up a young Dallas secondary to play at a elite level or you know a you know potential Super Bowl play deep playoff run level I mean that is quite quite the the exclamation point to go out on if you're Richard Sherman yeah, you look at this Dallas secondary, and there's talent there. You know, Jordan yeah. Lewis, the third-round pick in 2017. Trayvon Diggs flashed last year as a second-round pick in 2020. And they picked up Kelvin Joseph, who a lot of people thought could be a first-round pick in the second round as well. I mean, you like what Dallas has done. But Dallas' defense is young. I mean, yeah. really, really young. DeMarcus Cousins – DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Lawrence <laughs> is the, the big name. They got Boogie back there? They got Boogie. <laughs> Boogie's in at DT. Like, just like – just a three-pack <laughs> working boogie. Uh, Jalen Smith, I guess, is kind of a veteran now at this point, too. But in the secondary, I mean, they are young. And yeah. they're learning this new scheme. You know, whether you're coming into the NFL, whether you're we were in Dallas last year, like Diggs, you know, Dan Quinn is going to run his system. It's not going to be Mike Nolan's system. It's going to be Dan Quinn's system. Nobody knows it better than Richard Sherman. Why not? You bring in Sherman. You give yourself a little trickle-down effect of allowing, you know, Trayvon Diggs to become the number two or whether you want Jordan Lewis to be the number two. If they believe all these guys can break out, that's one thing. But I agree with you. You can potentially bring in Sherman. He helps these young guys learn. Maybe makes the defense better. Maybe the offense is great. Everybody's healthy. Maybe the Cowboys win 10 games and go win the Super Bowl. Richard Sherman wins a Super Bowl with the Cowboys, and he's seen as like the sort of the 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 launching pad for why Dallas was able to win so many games and win a title. Debo, you know, drowns himself or something like that when, <laughs> when this happens, having to listen to this podcast. And uh and and at the end of the day, Richard Sherman solidifies his legacy. I think the one question would be uh, Dallas didn't ex isn't exactly loaded with cap space. Right. That would be a, a concern there. But sure, I like it. I mean, system should matter a lot with Richard Sherman's 
next slash final landing spot. And if you're Mike McCarthy, I mean, you know, obviously he just he, he's still fresh out of the box in Dallas, but you know, it's Dallas. It's it's a it's a tough environment. If you don't win, it's gonna you know I know that you know Jason Garrett got a ton of time, but it's still gonna get restless there. If you, especially if you get a healthy Dak Prescott and you get an offense like you're describing that is playoff Super Bowl caliber, and the defense is what's holding you back. There'll be a lot of questions to say, why didn't you go after a guy like Richard Sherman who could have te- you know or could have taught the young corners in Dan Quinn's system over the first month of the season or whatever you want to call it and have those guys elevate as the year goes on and Sherman kind of fades off back into a role player. Like, you know, there would be so many questions if that, if that's ended up being the Achilles heel for Dallas. So to me, if you're, and if you're Jerry Jones, that is a a great splash that the Cowboys add Richard Sherman. I mean, it it really just makes a ton of sense. The um, I'm in, the Scott Fishbowl, the Scott Fishbowl, yep. this is the big fantasy thing you see everybody tweeting about right now. Uh, our buddy Nick Costos is in a league with Mike Clay of ESPN. And I just, this reminded me of just the Dallas defense. Mike's yep. first three picks were Dak, Zeke, Zeke Elliott, and CeeDee Lamb. Essentially, he is going with the Dallas defense sucks, yep. so offense will have to <laughs> score a ton stack in that league, hoping that that's what to be the case. That's what it was last year, and they still started one and three, you know, and they could have been 0 and 4. Dallas needs their defense to be better. It probably won't be. Richard Sherman would help it. it do, it's not a crazy suggestion to to put that to put that together. Um, I like Mike Clay's move there. By the way, yeah, not a bad move. Load up on the Cowboys. So hope their defense sucks. It probably because Dak went down with injuries last year. I mean, the guy was throwing out. You know, he's a pace for ten thousand passing yards. Unreal. Yeah, uh, Todd Gurley. Again, two thousand thirteen. It's hard to believe that Todd Gurley is just done in the NFL, but. He has been unable to find work. There was some buzz about him going to the Lions. Of course, famously before last year, this podcast, by the way, was spot on and making fun of it. We, the Falcons were like, oh, 11 first-round picks on the field at one time. It's never been done before. It's like, you had Laquan Treadwell and Todd Gurley. What are you talking about? And it busted out. Gurley was a, a, it was terrible in, um, in Atlanta. Where do you think he could land? So, so that so that would be like Nikhil Harry going to an offense now, using the oh, it's another first round pick. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, the Falcons could sign trade for Nikhil Harry and they brag about how many first round picks they have. And so, so I had Melvin Ingram going from the Chargers to the Rams, and now I have Todd Gurley in a roundabout way going from the Rams to the Chargers. I think that that would be a, a great spot for him. Obviously, we know Austin Eckler is the number one guy, and, and Gurley would have to accept kind of a, you know, a secondary role in that backfield. But I think, you know, even with Le'Veon Bell, too, egos aside, these guys are at the stage of their careers, all these guys that we're talking about, where they were once, like you were saying, in like 2013, they were the man. They were the top-tier guys, first-team All-Pros, Offensive Players of the Year and all that. Now it's a little bit of a different story. They're 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 older. They're they're role players now, and so Gurley's willing to accept a role like that, where Austin Eckler is clearly the number one guy for Justin Herbert in that backfield, and he wants to be that in between the tackles, Melvin Gordon like role. I think that would play to his strengths perfectly. I mean, they do have like Justin Jackson, they do have Joshua Kelly, but you know that that doesn't really give yeah. you enough punch. That's that's not you know Gurley's a, a different kind of animal with that in that regard, and so you know clearly not the. 20, what is it, 2017 Offensive Player of the Year? Clearly not that guy anymore. But if you're telling me that you can limit Austin Eckler, who's a just a smaller guy, from going in between the tackles, you know, whatever it's going to be, five, six, seven, eight times a game, you can prevent him from opening up to getting injured there, and you can use that for Todd Gurley, sign me up every day of the week. That'd be great. 
Todd Gurley, 30 rushing touchdowns in 2017 and 2018 combined. Insane. Not bad. And, not bad. No, not bad at all. Led the league both years. Averaged uh, on a per 16-game basis, 1,400 rushing yards and 17 touchdowns of those two seasons. Uh, was an all-pro both years, obviously. As you mentioned, Offensive Player of the Year. And just fell off a cliff. You know, John Breach nailed it, by the way. Yeah. You know, when he said that Gurley – he reported that it was an arthritic condition. That's really the one problem. But I, I look at I I've been looking at this Chargers depth chart, and you know we certainly pass rush is a bigger issue than running yeah. back. I think they can if Austin Eckler plays sixteen games, they'll be fine using him as sort of one of the fulcrum out of the backfield. But they do kind of need a grinder. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's basically uh, what he would be. Yeah, you you hope you get a lead, you unleash your defense, which should be better with Brandon Staley as the head coach there, and. You hope that Todd Gurley can sort of bang out four, three and a half, four, four and a half yards per carry against stacked boxes with a decent offensive line blocking for him. I think that's the argument. And that's not to say that Austin Eckler can't do that. Like he can run in between the tackles. He's actually surprisingly pretty good at it. But 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 his his MO is getting him in space, letting him use that just insane athletic ability, that speed to really do damage. That's that's what you want from, from Austin Eckler. That's what you want from him in this offense and if you can limit the ability for him to just even get hurt i mean obviously we're talking about you know there's been some injuries here he's not a big guy he can break down you want to keep him fresh especially for a team that i know you and i are both sneaky kind of high on very high going into this year especially if herbert just takes a normal leap as a is a you know second year player off of what we saw during his rookie season which was historic i mean this team could be Pretty dang good. And so the only thing that could really stop this offense, I know the, the defense still has some issues, like you said, on the pass rush, but the only thing that could really stop this offense to me is the backfield. If, you know, if Austin Eckler gets hurt, you're talking about Justin Jackson. You're talking about Joshua Kelly, and that's not a winning formula. Yeah, a couple other potential spots for Todd Gurley. And I, it, it's very possible he just doesn't sign anywhere. You know, it's, it's possible his career is done, which yep. would, if you told somebody three years ago, they would laugh at you. Now it's it seems fairly obvious, but Detroit, as we mentioned, uh, certainly they have DeAndre Swift, and then they got Jamal Williams. They could bring in Gurley if they wanted to, but it also feels kind of stupid to cut Carryon yeah. Johnson and bring in uh, Todd Gurley. I don't think it would be crazy to suggest he could be a backup in for the Giants behind Saquon Barkley if he's Not willing bad. to accept that role. They have Devontae Booker. That. Yeah, um, the other spots. If you if you look around the NFL. Most teams have invested at the running back position to a point where, you know, like, you know if you have a second round pick, like, you know, the Browns have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You're not signing Todd Gurley. No. The Dolphins only have Malcolm Brown and Miles Gaskin and then Salvon Ahmed. So maybe they're a fit for Todd Gurley if they're looking for a plotter. The Patriots? I don't know about the Patriots. The Dolphins, to me, was one that I thought about just because, like you saying, you just start looking at the depth charts and you say, okay, that that's a team that could. Yeah, this is basically just depth chart scouting and yeah. trying to find a landing spot. New England, I, I don't doesn't really I don't really see it. They have Damian Harris. Uh, they they just drafted a kid, uh, Stevenson, I believe, and uh, and then uh, obviously Sony Michelle, James White. You know, they they have a they have a ton of ton, Who of, needs ton of guys. Really, when you have Sony Michelle, basically, that's what I said. If I want one Georgia running back, it, it's certainly it's, it's certainly Nick, Sony Michelle. It's Nick Chubb, but it's Nick Chubb. It's Sony Michelle, right? <laughs> uh, and then the other one I thought of, Tennessee, sort mm-hmm. of a backup to Derrick Henry. And, I and hate Nick, that. I don't know if Todd Gurley's willing to be a backup anywhere. If that's what he's, you know, he might be like, I'm Todd Gurley. I yeah. nearly won MVP. I'm rich. I'm not going to take a backup job. That's entirely possible too. So, and the other thing that we, you know, we're kind of alluding to though is is how's the knee? You know, how is this something that 
you know, when he goes in for a physical, like, you know, why didn't he sign with Detroit? Was it something that he didn't want to have the role behind, you know, all of those guys, DeAndre Swift and all those boys? Or is it something where Detroit looks at it and says, man, you know, we knew his injury, his knee wasn't that great, but, you know, wow, we're really kind of taking it under the hood and it's not, it, it's, it's worse than what we thought. Like, so that's something that you have to consider there. There's two sides to every story. So for, for, for Todd Gurley, you know, he may not want to take on a secondary role, but if you're a team like the Dolphins who could maybe even make him the starter, you know, are you really going to be confident that he could start 16 games for you? And if you make a playoff run, is he even going to be fresh? I mean, you know, we saw during that run when he was kind of uh, finishing off his career with the Rams during that Super Bowl run where he just wasn't as effective towards the tail end of the year because that knee was bothering him. Yeah. By the way, the the, the one team that, really does make the most sense for Todd Gurley if you're doing depth chart depth depth chart scouting. The Falcons! <laughs> Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson. Yeah, but did you see Mike Davis's calves? I mean, uh, come on now. It's thighs, it's... thighs but yes. Were his calves good too or just his thighs? Maybe I'm sure. Oh, his thighs. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it was, yeah. thighs. It was thighs. It's like thighs. Um, <laughs> all right, last one. Golden Tate. I must confess, I, I was not aware that Golden Tate was unsigned. I guess the Giants just did the Giants cut him, or did they just not sign him again? I believe he was cut. Okay. I believe that that's true. Um, and so you're he's not really checked into this offseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, you're, they you're not fresh him. off vacation. You're still coming back. You're good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's right. They cut him on uh, March 4th, 2021. He had signed a $37 million contract to the Giants. Hmm. Yeah, it, just ha- it, hasn't, it hasn't really worked out for him in New York. And, and he's already come out this offseason and kind of given a bunch of teams – that he'd be interested in. I know Tennessee was one of them. Obviously, you know, there's a hometown connection there. Uh, I, I believe the Rams were one of them because there's a connection with the Matthew Stafford from their days in Detroit. Oh, and yeah. I believe the other one was Indy. And so with obviously Carson Wentz. So those are the teams that are kind of, you know, that he's put on the radar. One team that I, you know, we, we started this podcast off talking Patriots wide receivers. Why don't we just finish it with the Patriots in a, in a wide receiver edition? So I, I kind of think that that would be an interesting one. There was sure. when he was a free agent, Back in 2019, he was pretty vocal and he was on record saying that he'd be interested in New England. And so, albeit that's when Tom Brady's on the roster. So, you know, you have to throw that caveat in there. Is he still interested in New England? Would that still be a place that he'd want to play now that Tom Brady isn't there? Certainly that probably takes a little bit of the shine off of it. But if he wants to play for Bill Belichick or something along those lines, you know, that's certainly something or, or a place on the roster that the Patriots need addressing. Obviously now even more so with this Nikhil Harry news. But even before that, we didn't know what his his situation was going to be. Hasn't been an impactful player to this point. And they have guys like Jacoby Myers, Gunnar Olszewski, and even their offseason additions with Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. You're not talking about, like, the number one guys and someone who's going to completely change the face of your offense. Not that Golden Tate's going to do that either, but here's a veteran who is, you know, he hasn't been particularly productive over the last few years. But if you're telling me he could come in and compete for a number three spot in this offense, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And if that's something that he's wanting to look at as he kind of closes out his career, I think that would make all the sense in the world. Yeah, and it's, I mean, he's always been sort of pegged as a, Belichick guy, right? Yeah, Chris Brout runner, you know, kind of, especially now with Julian Edelman gone, can maybe, you know, adopt some of those targets and that or adopt really some of those routes. To me, that, you know, I like that move there. Again, it's probably like three years, four years too late for this edition. Yep. It reminds me a little bit of like every time Larry Fitzgerald's name would come up in a trade <laughs> rumor, he'd always be, you know, somehow linked to the Patriots and someone would spot him at Logan Airport and, and so right. you know yeah, that's right that's like the famous meme yeah it's the fame Larry Fitzgerald was it like Chad Johnson at, at... no it was Larry Larry Fitzgerald yeah, yeah. yeah. But so that's what, somebody's like oh Golden Tate 
you know, yep. I saw Golden Tate at Logan Airport. It's a picture of Larry Fitzgerald as the the old. Yep. Yeah, I spot him at the Duncan line at Logan. It was uh, he's right there. Yeah, I mean his in 2018 when he was because he signed he started in Seattle. Obviously, they signs a huge free agent contract with Detroit. Um, in makes a Pro Bowl there. Ends up being traded to the Eagles in the final year of his deal, which I think in hindsight probably a bad trade by the Eagles uh, to pour more bleach on on Debo's skin here. Uh, but then you know plays a half season for them. They uh, signs of the Giants that didn't work out. He is, I mean, he's 33 now. He'll be oh, goodness gracious, turns 33 in August. It's it's definitely a low cost, yeah. It would have to be a dirt cheap, hey, you know, this just happens to be one of your spots that you want to play type of situation, I think. And again, you know, this is a little bit different because we're in a, we're looking at a new New England Patriots team now. This is no longer the the Tom Brady Patriots. Right. But what has been Bill Belichick's mo over the course of that twenty years is finding guys that maybe have a little bit of juice left in the tank, but ultimately will cost you nothing. And he'll right. bring them in and he'll make them. You know, he'll squeeze that last bit of talent out of them before they they fade off into the sunset. So could Golden Tate be that guy to help a, a receiver unit that could use? a veteran presence because even Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, they're not like these old hats or anything like that. And Jacoby Myers and Gunnar Olszewski are still very green in this league. So, you know, could that be something that could, you know, where he takes on that Julian Edelman, I've been here a million times, guys, don't worry about it, roll. So, you know, that's something that, you know, to me makes a lot of sense. It fills, fills an area on that New England squad and it probably won't cost him that much. Yeah, and it also is like a little bit of insurance in case you were dead wrong about Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and, and that's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. Nelson Aguilar had a career year last year, and he's someone that could stretch the field, he but like he morphed into a deep threat after being a major bust for the Eagles for years. Right, exactly. So more, it's like more bleach on Devo. <laughs> it's but like what's more what, what what's more realistic that he just continues to just evolve into this, or that it was a career year during a contract year. And he kind of reverts back to what we, we've known him to be. You know, obviously, if you're, you're someone who roots to the Patriots, you don't want that to be the case. But you do kind of got to cover yourself for that as well. Steve, I would like to remind us that Nelson Aguilar had nine catches in the Super Bowl for the Eagles. Well, that, that's tough. Hey, I'm wearing that Super Bowl right there. So, Oh, yeah. oh so, ouch. I know. I, it's, it's, it's odd. But I was there. And it was first Super Bowl I covered in person. So I figured I'd buy a, buy a uh, jacket to com- commemorate it. So more of, a, more of a professional trophy than a, than a fan. <laughs> right, right, right. I love a good professional trophy. <laughs> Was it a Super Bowl trophy? That'd be nice. Well, I mean, I mean, like a Super Bowl professional Super Bowl trophy. Yeah, we gotta make. Let's make. Maybe that's what you, you can get um, tattooed on yourself. You know, a professional Super Bowl trophy. That wouldn't be bad. Do you? Uh, do you feel like a uh, kind of a uh, like a d bag when you wear your Super Bowl gear out in public? Oh, 100 percent. Well, it's, it's not even like I don't really wear it like out. In, like, I'm not going to the bars being like, hey, ladies, you know, this is you know, that's not it. But when I like hang out with my buddies who yeah. do not care at all that I like cover sports or anything like that, like they're just like, dude, we don't care. Like, don't, yeah, you know. We get it. You went to the Super Bowl. You didn't yeah. have another jacket or a pullover. You're like, I didn't. Yeah, so many Super Bowl, <laughs> so many Super Bowl pullovers. Yeah, they, they don't care. They don't care at all. So that but that's good. It keeps you grounded. No, I say like if you go, yeah, like if you go, like I'm like, uh, do I want to wear this or like I got like, an old school CBSSports.com T-shirt? You don't like wear it. Be like, oh, like yeah, we get it. You work for C- you know, like yeah, no, yeah. Not like it's that important. It's just you feel like the Super Bowl thing is like so bright and gaudy. Oh my god, yeah, and like, and even the other one that we have, uh, the hoodie one that we, the, I don't know if you got that one. I think that I was didn't the, get that one. That's that was the source of drama, if I remember correctly. That's right. That's right. I did and not. So get that, one. that one's got that one's like a double whammy too, because it's the Super Bowl logo and it's a CBS hoodie too. So it's like it's really, it's like all right, man. You know, you know, you 
wants to respond to my complaints about how do I get the Super Bowl hoodie, that'd be nice. Anytime you're ready, guys. Um, all right. Uh, I, I was going to point out one more thing. Oh, oh, go vote for the uh, People's Choice Podcast yeah. Awards. Sign up, log in, drop down sports, and um, all things covered on there too. Don't fall for that one. You got to go all the way down to Pick Six Podcast. But uh, you can also vote for all things covered. Uh, I believe the the category is uh, best. Uh, it's either black voice or black hosted podcast. And uh, make sure you click on while you're there voting for us. Hook up all things covered as well. I would tell you to vote for Pete Prisco's podcast. He doesn't have one, so don't don't bother with that. <laughs> Sully, as always, buddy, a, uh, a pleasure chatting with you, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon.